higher than the highest he is greater than the great no one could ever take his crown away he's more mighty than the mightiest he reigns from above oh he's the all-time undisputed undefeated champion of of love who is like unto our god there's no one quite like him is there god bless you brother john thank you for that Good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. We're going to go directly to the Word, so if you just take your Bibles. Thank you to the musicians. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Still feeding on what God spoke to us from the Easter weekend, starting last Wednesday, and then also on Sunday. May God's Word not return to him void. Amen. This Friday is the young people's meeting. Brother Max will be ministering to them. So keep them in prayer. Also, I'd ask your prayers as this Sunday, Lord willing, we'll be going into Saskatchewan to minister for Brother Minnow. And uh, if, if everything works out, things are always changing around us, but desire your prayers. Hebrews chapter 10. Let's just start the reading from verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Now, what's our faith in? It's not in our flesh. It's not in who we are and what we've learned and what our experience, but boldness by the blood of Jesus. So he says, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What happens when you come? You're tired, you're weary, you actually think you're doing something for yourself, you're helping someone else. What happens when you amen and enter in? You're helping someone else. Amen. Let's just... uh, and, and exhort one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. I'll just ask you to keep your fingers in that. We'll read another scripture, but let's just have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we've come in on a Wednesday. We're tired. We've worked. But Lord, we also desire our inner man to be fed, to be helped. Lord, we live in an evil, evil time. There's much to drain us, to take us down. But Lord, we believe the Word of God is yea and amen. We believe that as we hear the Word and we receive the Word, it brings life in us. It creates something in the inner man. It gives us strength. It causes unbelief to leave. It causes darkness to flee. It causes light to dwell where darkness was. Father, just a few moments in your presence can change everything. Father, we invite you into this service. Take the preeminence. Lord, we commit the word into your hands, everything said and done for your glory and your honor. Edify your people. Strengthen us, Lord. May we benefit from our gathering. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. May have your seats. And as I said, just keep your Bibles open. We'll turn in Hebrews 10 to verse 32. Now, in the, same, in the same passage of Scripture, Paul is saying this, But call to remembrance the former days in which, after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions. After you were illuminated. After you came to the knowledge of the truth. And the enemy noticed. You endured a great fight of afflictions. 
Partly while you were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst you became companions of them that were so used. Paul would say, you had compassion of me in my bonds. You took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and enduring substance. Verse 35, cast not away therefore your confidence which has great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul hath no pleasure in him. But you are not of them that draw back into perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. I want to take my text out of verse 35. It says, cast not away, therefore, your confidence. And tonight, we're just taking a break from the little series we've been going on through the Babylonian captivity. It's just on my heart to give a little exhortation. So I want to speak on cast not away, therefore, your confidence. The Bible would, would say, or rather the dictionary says, confidence is a feeling or belief that you can rely on something or someone. In other words, it is, a, it is a trust. It is a firm trust. So it's a state of feeling certain about truth or something, a feeling of self-assurance in one's abilities or qualities. So confidence is probably more uh, needed than we could even think about in everyday life. Uh, it's important to have confidence in the government. If, if there's a vote of non-confidence in the government, the government falls, they say they don't have confidence in them. Well, I don't tell you, it doesn't take much of a vote to give non-confidence in the government for me. And in any kingdom of this earth, as far as that goes. So if somebody here from the government is, is, is listening in, don't worry, nothing personal. The Bible says all the kingdoms belong to Satan, and so therefore we don't have a lot of confidence in that. But it will also say uh, confidence in the economy or in the people. They talk about consumer confidence. They talk that you, know, you want to create confidence. So they'll come out with reports and they'll say, you know, the, the Bank of Canada will come and we'll lower interest rates to boost confidence in the economy. So confidence is something that is positive. It creates an energy for people to move forward. Confidence is needed also for the believer to trust in God. Confidence is required to move forward and not to stagnate, not to draw back. And so Paul is saying, don't cast away your confidence. You know, he says, even though things look negative, even though things are not what they may appear to be, don't cast it away. Keep your confidence. Keep your faith. Now, it's no surprise if you take polls today amongst people, what's their confidence in the future? It's at an all-time low. What's your confidence that, that, you know, you're, the government's going to come out of this and, and we're going to do things and you can invest and life can go. There's not a lot of confidence. And I'll say this, part of all of that is what the devil is doing in the world today. And it's not just in the world around us, but it's also right in our midst. Listen, we're not angels. We, we are not immune. But we ourselves are also targeted in all of this. The devil is there to bring disappointment. He's there to bring discouragement. He's there to make things look black and bleak. He's there to make things look like, like you can't trust in something. Listen, let's, okay, first of all, let's all take off our halos and put them down, okay? I have to take mine off to, to say, I need this, therefore we all need this. Okay, wonderful. So it's, it's, Confidence is something you can't always put your finger on. Let's use a few scriptures. Let's go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 5. I'll just try and move quickly. Brother Dan, I know you'll move quickly with me too, but 
James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given to him. Okay, so you, you can ask God. God will give it liberally if you need wisdom. Now, it doesn't always come in the time and the way that we want. God said he'll give it to us. Now it says, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. He that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Now I, I, I was going to type in this word, and I thought if I type in this word, I'll never get off of it. But it's, it's neurotic. And Brother Branham would use it, and he'd say, we live in a neurotic age. So you, you watch, and I, and I notice sometimes... You know, you, you go to the store, you're, you're waiting in the lineup, you, you've, 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 you've searched out the best deal, you're, you've got everything, you come in the lineup, and all of a sudden the lineup's like five people long. And you're like looking around, what am I going to do with my time? And you hop on the phone, and you, you check this, and, and you check that. It's neurotic. You know, you just, why don't you sometimes just walk up there and say, thank God for this ability to breathe. Thank God for this lineup that I'm in. And I can just listen to the prophet's message, or I can just think on something. But it's a neurotic age, and we ourselves are affected. And under a neurotic age, if it's not instant, if it doesn't happen right away, well, you know, we jump to something else. Oh, you know, and if we're not careful, we take that with the things of God. So it said, ask in faith, nothing wavering. He that wavers is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Verse six, for, verse 7, For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So I'll, I'll say this. We need more faith in this age than ever before. Faith is not something you can... We don't need more knowledge. We need more faith. We need to have more trust, more confidence in God, that His Word is real. You know, what was the definition of confidence? It's a feeling or a belief that you can rely on someone or something. I'll tell you what, you used to be able to trust that we lived in a good country and that they were going to do the best for you. But I'll say, that trust cannot be there the same way today that it was years ago. It cannot be, and, and I'll say this, there, there is less trust that the government will do good for you than there was years ago. So therefore, you have to put your confidence and your trust on something that is real and that cannot fail. It's an absolute, it's an assurance that we need. And I say it's harder to put your trust in people. It's harder to put your trust in those things. I'll get to that a little bit. But there is a place of rest. There is a place of trust. So don't cast away your confidence. That's what Paul is telling the believers. So now the prophet would actually speak a message in 1956, and it was really at the turning point of America, and he'd say, why are people so tossed about? Now, I will say this, you cannot take a superficial view of the message, nor an intellectual, yeah, I've checked off that tape, I've heard it, but has it become a part of you? And so you ask this question, why are people so tossed about? Why is the, la the world in a neurotic stage? Why is it that even around this truth, the message we believe that, that there is seemingly so many ideas and thoughts and why is it that people are leaving and why is it that these things are happening and the prophet has the answer why are people so tossed about now it used to be entitled the inner veil but it was really at a turning point for america so he would talk about the three rooms the tabernacle the 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 the, the three places that you go to and and I, I won't go into the message but he would talk about how he related the, 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 the tabernacle, the outer court, the inner court, and then the holiest of holies. And he would bring that at different levels and in different ways of fellowship. And, but I'll just use this. He would talk about it as light. 
And, and, and the light that was in the outer court was a light that, was, that could be volatile. It, it could be subject to sunshine, and, and it would be just bright and beautiful. And yet the clouds would come over and the light would change instantly. So he'd say there was a measure of light with that outer court that you could rely on to a degree. You, you know, and at nighttime it wasn't there, but you know, you could rely on it in good weather. But he'd say, don't strive for that court. There's something deeper to go to. So your confidence could not be, and, and he's saying, no, listen to the, the message is, why are people so tossed? Because they look at things in an outer level, in a superficial level, at a light that is, is volatile. It's not steady. It's not certain. But then you go into that inner court, which was reserved for the priests. And in the priests, there was a light there that was there from the candlesticks. And it was a light that was consistent, but even that could go out. That light, the oil, it, it was meant to be replaced. It was, it was meant there, and even though it could burn at nighttime or during the day, and it would be the same, but that light could also go out. And the prophet says, now, beyond that, there's an inner place, a holy of holy, and in there's the Shekinah glory. That never disappears. That's what we need to strive for. Now, the dwelling place of God, the tabernacle of God, is with men. And we need to remember that. There's many tabernacles. If you actually go through the feasts, and every feast is the feast of this, but when it comes to the last feast, and it's called the Feast of Tabernacle, it's actually not tabernacle, it's tabernacles. And if you go to Revelations 19, the tabernacle of God is with men. A bride comes down. A city comes down. God desires a habitation. That's your confidence. That's the believer's confidence. The blood is applied. I've confessed my sins. I'm walking with God. I've got fellowship with God. There is a place that I can have no matter what's happening out there. There is a place that I can keep my confidence in. It's not based on how many people are in church. It's not based on the government guidelines. It's not based on my attitude, my feelings. It's based on where I am with God. That is my confidence in this last stage. And I'd say, that is something we need to strive to enter to. Now, I need to just move along quickly. In, you don't have to be told about the age we live in. But let me take it from the sign of Brother Branham. Is this the sign of the end, sir? We know we are living in a glorious time for the church, but a horrible time for the unbeliever. If you take Revelations chapter 6 under the sixth seal, it said, every bondman, every poor man, every rich man, they would look to hide from the wrath of the Lamb the tribulation that is to come. Just because you're rich and you can go to an island does not make you immune. And if you look at it, there's a lot of nervous people around the stock market. There's a lot of nervous people with their money and with their things. There's no peace in that. There's one place of rest and one place of peace. So he says we're living in the most horrible time for the unbeliever the most dangerous times of all since the world began. No prophet, no apostle, never in no time has ever lived in such a time as we live now. This is the end. He calls it a horrible time, but I, I love, you won't find this in the dictionary. Brother Branham would use it, I think, 27 times in the message. The horriblest. <laughs> that, that, that means there's no more horrible. It's the horriblest. <laughs> I, I, I think we get what he meant, Right? It's the most horriblest. You know, I, I don't know about you, friends, but I, I look at, for years we've heard about the time that's coming, but as it's unfolding about us, I say, hell on earth is around us. You don't need to look very far. Now, I, listen, I, I said this is an exhortation. Brother Ed, what kind of an exhortation is this? Just hang on. i got to take you both ways so you know where we're at. He said, this is a horrible time, but it's the most glorious time in the world to preach the gospel. 
if I could have stood on the brink of time before it came into existence and the father would have looked and said, what age would you like to preach in? He said, right now, just before you're coming. So it's the greatest time for the believer to live in. Now, I, I, I just did this just quickly. And, and Brother Jared, I think we were talking about, he had a conversation with somebody uh, about getting some results for a test or, or something. And, and, and the person made a remark and said, sorry, it's just difficult to get it. Because the mental strain on the system is, is it's fraying. Uh, the government talks about so many cases and so many things. Physically, yes. But I'll say worse yet is the mental strain that is coming on the, on the, on the, on the minds of the people. And I'll say this. We live in this world. And there's times I find myself stretched. There's times I find myself speaking under pressure. And I say, oh God, I need more of you. Lord, I, I don't want to dwell like this world. I don't want to live in that place. So it would talk, and I, I just took this out of the Canadian Mental Health Association. The pandemic is increasing demand for mental health services. Bereavement, isolation, loss of income, fear are triggering mental health conditions or exasperating existing ones. People may be facing increased levels of alcohol, drug use, insomnia, and anxiety. COVID-19 can lead to neurological and mental complications such as delirium, agitation, and stroke. People with pre-existing mental and, and neurological or substance use orders are particularly more vulnerable. And he says to the SARS-CoV-2 infection, they may even stand a higher risk of severe incomes and death. Now, your mental being actually can affect your physical being. But your mental being is causing insanity in the world. Now this is, we haven't even seen the end of this yet. And, and, and they would actually talk about it, and they took a poll, and I won't, I won't read all of this, but this was, the poll was done in Alberta. It said 44% of rural Albertans report that lack of socialization has become a mental health challenge. Let's just face it, we're all different. Some people are people persons. And they get their energy from being with people. Other people can, can do without. You know, but it's, it's a challenge. Human beings, we're meant to be social people. We're meant to interact. It said 57% of Albertans said that staying connected with loved ones has helped their mental health. And what was the scripture we read in the book of Hebrews? Gather yourselves the more so as you see the day approaching. Why do we do everything we can to hold services? Why do we do everything to connect with one another? Because it's important. We're human beings. We're bombarded in our minds time in, day in, day out. Listen, the prophet was bombarded. We're bombarded. Ministers are bombarded. Every one of us is bombarded. We need to exhort one another. Hebrews 13, verse 15. Therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually that is giving the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. I'll tell you what, it goes a long way. I, I say before COVID ever started, the devil already had started his system of separation. God has sheep. Sheep are meant to be together. Sheep are meant to, to breathe off, or, or to, to the, Brother Ammon talk about the shepherd smells like the sheep. And, but they're meant to be together. Their comfort is in being together. And so the devil had started with technology long before. He brought in technology and devices. You know, you go into a restaurant and one person sitting on one side, well, you can go till tomorrow and then after you can't go. But he says, you can go in and here's one person on a device, there's another person on a device. And, and you know what? We find ourselves there. And then we, we come home and one's doing this and one's doing that. And, and, and somebody, a teenager, goes off to their room. It's, it's a disconnect. It was never meant to be that way. 
And sometimes a little bit of a word of encouragement from a father or a mother or, or to a sibling, one to another, oh, you had a hard day, and, and just beginning to catch a pulse or a feeling. It's necessary to connect, to keep the confidence of one another. Don't allow the devil to play more havoc than necessary. A home is a sanctuary. It's a place for the token. That's not just a catchphrase, but that's where a life is lived. I, I can't read all these stats, but there's so many. Mental health challenges, key findings. I won't get into all of it. I'll just leave it there. Now, Brother Branham would, would say, and, we, and just to go along with the scripture we said in Hebrews, this is in what house will you build me? I see our young people drifting around from place to place, from show to show, further and further away from God. I see it in my children. I see myself getting to a place. Now, can, that's why I asked you all to remove your halos. I, I, I put mine down before I even got into this. We have got to assemble ourselves together to worship God. We've got, when you see the day approaching, that much more come together. Now listen to how Brother Branham says it. If there's only two people here, you be one of them. And he says, and when we come and worship together, then there's something another about it. Because where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in your midst. Now you can have this gathering in your home. You can have it with believers. I think it's important that we keep good things before us, good connections, good devices, good channels that are open, and let them, ask, let them help us. We're human beings. We get tired. We get weary. We, we don't always feel like picking up our Bible. Okay? I'll say it. I don't always feel like putting on a tape. But sometimes... And, and, and just to sit with a family member and to talk about something, there's life that comes from that. To sit and talk with a brother, there's life that comes from that. We are the mystical body of Jesus. We're not meant to... What the devil would try to do is create phrase and, 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 and schisms between the, one another. But we're not meant for that. Now... So Brother Adam says it. Now, let me, this is be very familiar in Christ, the mystery of God revealed. He will say this, don't stay at home. If God is in your heart, you can't wait for them doors to open yonder. Now, I know everybody can't be booked into every service. But if it's open, let's get to it. If it be at home, it's streaming. He's saying, if you don't feel that way, then I tell you it's time you got to praying. We're in the last days where, as we see the day approaching, we need to love one another with Christian love and divine love and assemble ourselves in heavenly places and love one another. Then will all men know you're my disciples. Wax that much closer together. Now, I, I, I'm using this as an exhortation. Wax that much closer together. He's saying... Pull, tighten up, move right up close to one another. If social distancing only allows you six feet, don't be at six foot five. Be close as you can. Some brother said, you know the government regulations allow us to be six feet or a hockey stick. I got my son's hockey stick. It's this tall. Can we use that? Yeah, I'd love to use that. And when they come in and say... We're doing the hockey stick thing. I felt like going and buying a whole bunch of hockey sticks and cutting about two feet off the top. Anyway, wax that much closer. Friends, the devil is at war. He's there to destroy confidence. Let, let, me, let me take this also, because Brother Branham would talk about, and I'm, I'm using a few quotations, but he says, and I, I'm, I'm going to say this, confidence is in the mind realm. 
And Brother Brandon would say, the mental faculties and reason of man is broke down. There's no hopes. It's beyond hope. The whole thing is putriated, sore. The mental faculties of man, they can't make decisions. This is in the message, and knoweth it not. And in knoweth it not, he actually goes into the channel that he went and why people are so tossed about. Three realms. And he's closing as he's saying this. I, I went and just looked at the prophet's closing prayers in 1965. This is a man who walked with God. He's saying, oh God, don't let me be here when these things come. Oh God, it's a horrible time. And, and he's admonishing. If you catch the urgency in the messages as in 1965, as he's closing in prayer, this is one of these. He's, he's saying, Stay close to Christ. Let me warn you, don't take any foolishness. Don't imagine anything. Stay right there till the inside of the inside is anchored to the Word. You're right in Christ. We're living in the most deceiving age that's ever been lived in. It would deceive the elected if it was possible. They have an anointing. They can do anything like the rest of them. Clean your lives up. Pay your debts. Oh, no man. He says, get everything ready. Make ready. Remember, in the name of the Lord, something is fixing to happen. I believe right now the world is being conditioned. The neurotic age, the, 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 the lack of confidence, I believe the devil's trying to do that to us. And I believe we need to take the armor a little tighter. This is an exhortation tonight. Dear Lord, don't let one of these be lost. This is a closing prayer in God of this evil age. As your servant, I stand between the living and the dead, pointing with a finger to the word of God. I cannot save them, Lord, but they want to be saved. Lord, let the word of God rise in the hearts and let healing rays of faith bring them to the fullness of sons and daughters. Satan's Eden. Oh God, what a horrible hour we're living. Come Lord, cleanse us by the blood. Take all filth and guile from us. Let us live under the blood constantly. It's our heart's sincere desire and our sincere prayer. Now I, there's, there's many things and I don't, this is not in the line of exhortation if I do it. And I'll, I'll just repeat this, I won't share this, but in Shalom he talks about the darkness that's coming on the earth. And how it presses on humanity, and there's less manhood and less womanhood. And he says, man's heart has become continuously evil. I'm not sure if it was in the book of Ephesians, but it says, past, that men have gone past feeling. And sometimes, as Paul would say, perilous times. And I just say, oh God, what a battle we're in. Now I. I need, I need to move along a little bit to, to just get where I want. What is the battle? It's a battle of the mind. He says, this is, a, this is actually a brother who's speaking of Brother Branham. I shared this just recently. You don't realize what it means to fight the powers of darkness. All the powers of the enemy are loosed. He's talking against Brother Branham. He says, you perhaps only have a small portion against you. The reason Jesus suffered on the cross was not because of his own sins, but the powers of hell were determined to crush him. So if you have anything special from God, the powers of darkness are going to do their best to crush you. You have anything special from God? You have representation. If you're a child of God... The devil's going to do his best to do it. And how does he do it? He tries to get you to disarm you. He tries to get you to lose faith in your weapon. He tries to get you so that you, you don't. He, and the in greatest battle ever fought, Brother Bram says here, the two forces, Satan and God, what is Satan's weapon? To try to get you to disbelieve your weapon, he disarms you. If he can get you to disbelieve your weapon is not strong enough, he's disarmed you. If he can tell you, with all the things going around the message, how can you trust it? Then he's disarmed you. Brother Branham would talk about himself. And he says, I myself can get moody. 
I get to a spot where I get overworked and Satan tells me, nobody cares for you. You haven't got a friend in the world. I'm going to ask you this honestly. You don't have to raise your hands. In the last couple of weeks, has that spirit ever come by you? It came by the prophet. It'll come by us. It'll cause you to think and just, just to hang your head, just to, to not be pressing in. Friends, we need to not... Don't cast away your confidence. Brother Brown would say, remember, I'm not immune to temptation. I've got to overcome that. So what he would do, he would watch all the people that came to the services. Some would drive from Georgia. It was a, a day's drive. And then he would, this is how he would speak to the devil. He would say, Satan, look at that. You told me they don't care. They came all the way here. Hey, it's a Wednesday. I didn't think it, you know, there'd be this many people here. Hey, the bookings were full tonight. How about that, devil? Take that. (laughs) Hey, there's people entering in. They're tired. How about that, devil? I'll tell you what, you need to start with something. You need to start with prayer. Sometimes it's as simple as getting on your knees and and just telling God what you feel. And as you tell Him your faults, your failures, they're dropped in the blood, in the sea of forgetfulness. They're no longer yours, but they go back on the devil. And you can get up lighter than when you went down. Why carry that with you through the whole day? Cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Well, all these things going on, all these doctrines. Somebody, you got to be careful how much you major on those things. Brother Bannon would say, as he's praying in 1964, Lord, have mercy. It's nervous. All my work here, and then see some fanatic lead a group or a cult into the desert. Oh, God, don't let my name go down with that. And all the people that are leaving, they're, they're attributing that to brother. Listen to this man's prayer. Lord, I fought hard for this. I'm sincere. God, don't let it happen. I'm depending on you. I'm your servant. These are your children. Most of these, they understand. 99 out of 100. They know it's not me. But I know these things has to follow every revival. And this one is not immune to it. Oh. You mean they'll rise up false Christ? Yes! False anointed ones. False doctrines. What are you casting your eyes upon? Don't look at those things. Look at the real thing. I'll tell you one thing I can have confidence in, in not William Branham the man, but the spirit that was in him. When I see his transparency, when I see his willingness to confess his sins, when I see his heart in prayer, that gives me a lot of confidence. I'll tell you what, there's no voice like putting on that voice. You're working on your car? Put on that voice. You're cutting the grass? Put on that voice. You're working around the house? Put on that voice. There's something about it that just puts life into us. And the devil would say, oh, you've heard that before. Yeah, your memory tells you that. Forget what he tells you. Just put it on. Put on some good Christian songs. Don't lose your confidence. I was going to preach on the day after Easter or the day after the crucifixion. Let's just go to Luke 17 quickly. Luke 17. I've skipped some some scriptures here, but I'll come back to them. Sorry about that, Brother Dan. Luke 17. This is when the two went to Emmaus, starting in verse 13, verse 14. They talked together of all these things to happen, and it came to pass, while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said, what manner of communications are these with you that you have and that you walk and are so sad? Now just think, they were sad because of what happened. They just saw the darkness. 
They didn't see, their eyes had not been opened yet. Just like Elijah going to Dothan, his servant couldn't see. All he saw was the enemy, and Lord said, and Elijah said, Lord, open this boy's eyes. There's more that are with us than are against us. Oh, I like the way Brother Ray put it. This world is a pest house. Why would we look for satisfaction in a pest house? And he says, why are you, the very one who is the center of all this, he's asking them, what, what manner of communications is this? Why are you the way you walk and you're so sad? You're, you're dragging your heels. You're, you know, what are you doing? And, and, and Cleopas just says, are you a stranger in Jerusalem? Don't you know what's going on? <laughs> hey, he could have said right there, it was me. <laughs> I'm the one. But he, he allowed them. Now just watch. And he said, are, you don't know these things? What things? Verse 19. Oh, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a prophet, uh, mighty indeed and word before God and the people. And the chief priests and rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified. But we trusted that it should have been he who redeemed Israel. In other words, we had this thought in our mind, he was going to gather a, 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 an army together. And he was going to become the general that was going to go against Rome and do all these things. We thought, I thought, false expectations, unrealistic expectations leads to disappointment. Now, I, I, I need to just, sometimes we, we even in the message, we, we know, because it's ascending and we build up in our minds, okay, we've, we've, we've gone out of first pull, we're in second pull, it's going higher, it's going higher, and, and we build up, and I've been in this truth so long, and, and, you know, just because all of that, you know, there's a certain level of requirement that I'm required to live, and then we fall flat on our face. You're going to have some setbacks. Don't lose your confidence. Don't trust in flesh. Don't trust in the arm of flesh. Okay, I, I, I'm going to jump back a little bit. Just go with me quickly to... Oh, where, where do I want to get to? No, I'm, I'm moving ahead. Sorry, Brother Dan. Go over to, with me to Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17. Just pick this up quickly. Are you with me? Amen. Jeremiah 17. If this is not where you're living, you're welcome to go. Like, if, if you feel you've overcome and this isn't for you, please, please. I'm sorry. Oh, everybody's put their halos down for good now. Okay, great. Jeremiah 17, verse 5. Blessed, no, verse 5. Thus saith the Lord, cursed be the man that trusteth in man. And you know, we build up Brother Branham to be this perfect individual. And it's like he did no wrong. He was the prophet of the age. I think you need to look at it with your eyes open. It was not Brother Branham that appeared at the river that day. It was not him that did these things. Your eyes need to go beyond the flesh. Not just the flesh of Brother Branham, but the flesh of even the pastor, the flesh of the ministry, the flesh of the officers. You need to look at the Spirit of God that is in the man. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man. I'll tell you what, you're going to see the backside of believers. We had a couple of men come into this church one day. They, go, they make it their business to go around and go to message churches and tear them down uh, with their words and with their condemnation, saying nobody's living the message, nobody's at this standard. And I had I'd known one of, the young, one of the men. I went out and said, hey, don't, don't make this a fight in the foyer. I'll go out for, for lunch with you. And we did. I took them out for lunch. And I listened to their grievances for a little while. And I just shared some things. And, and then they, the, all the arrows were coming back. He says, okay, so what's your ministry? Where's the fruit of your ministry? Where's, where's the... He said, well, we don't have any. Where's your church? Where are you fulfilling the message? Turn it back on them. But I went home that night and I was so grieved in the middle of the night, the Lord's just, these words kept coming to me. What did Balaam fail to see? What did Balaam fail to see? I thought, what did, 
And I got up, I went downstairs, I just did my message church, and all of a sudden I, I catch several quotes, Brother Branham says. Balaam failed to see the smitten rock that was in the midst of the people. He failed to see the blood that was covering them. All he saw was their backside. All he saw was their flesh. And friends, if you're not careful, you'll look through a critical eye. That's the devil's job. It's not our business to listen to it. We need to look as God looks at one another. So, Jeremiah 17. Blessed is the man, cursed be the man rather, that trusteth in man, that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departs from the Lord. Don't lean on one individual. Somebody's a blessing to you, thank God for it. Don't put too much on that individual. So the man that makes flesh his arm, verse 6, this is the results. He'll be like a heath in the desert. He won't see good when it comes. He'll inhabit parched places. A salt land. Verse 7, vice versa. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope in the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreads her roots by the river that shall not see when heat cometh. But her leaf shall be green, and she shall not be careful in the year of drought. Neither shall cease from yielding fruit. And then he, Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You know, it's so easy for man to want to glorify somebody, a sports star, or even a, a message preacher. Can I just get right to the chase? Or somebody that you look up to. Be careful that you see God first. Don't lean on flesh because God is a jealous God. He will share His glory with no one. He deserves first place. Friends, the brother Adam would say in Christ the mystery, all hell is against this revelation. What revelation? Christ in you. Christ in the midst of the people. Not the book of Acts as the holy people, but the holy God in the holy people. There, there's many scriptures I could read. Philippians chapter 3. As our time just slips away quickly, but we'll just, we'll move, we'll move quickly. Philippians chapter 3. Let's just take verse 1. This is Paul speaking. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to me is indeed grievous, but for you it is safe. And he goes on to say in verse 2, he says, Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. Verse 3, he will say, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Jesus Christ, and have no confidence in the flesh. Now remember, verse 4, let's read verse 4. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any man had confidence in the flesh, I the more so. I was the Pharisee of Pharisees. I was the one who trusted in myself, trusted in everything, and God had to knock him off of that. Now Paul's admonishing us. Don't put your trust in the flesh. Why, why do we lose confidence? Because we put all our eggs in one basket. Oh, this is the church. And then you start to see the church members. Oh, they're not perfect. What kind of a church am I attending? Ah, just speak to yourself. God called imperfect people so that He could perfect them. And we're not perfected yet. That's why we're still here. That's why we're still being washed by the water of the Word. Look at the trajectory of where people are going. I'll tell you what, the devil's job is to point out everything. Don't go help him with his job. Be careful what you say about one another, that you don't cause someone to lose confidence in someone. Respect the offices. Respect the people that are there. Say nice things about one another. Why? And then God will bless you. And he will prosper you. And you'll go higher. And you won't be, when, when trouble comes, you won't be cast down all of a sudden. 
Ecclesiastes 5, real quick, just jump back to that. Why do people put all their eggs in one basket? They put it all in sometimes into one church or they'll put it all into one doctrine. Ecclesiastes, keep thy foot when you go to the house of the Lord and be more ready to hear. But sometimes we camp down on a quotation. We camp down on something, maybe the result of our own thinking. We need continually to be washed. And you need to come and say, I've not arrived, but Lord, I need more of you. Lord, you've done this for me. You've done that. Don't throw that all out the window. That's an easy way to get an evil spirit. Well, I'm just going to open my mind to anything. No, don't do that. Whatever God's done for you, hold it, but don't put a period on it. Now say, Lord, whatever you add, open my eyes. Show me more of you. Show me more of the revelation. Unfold yourself. But when you cap down on a doctrine, no, we have a founder. This is the doctrine. This is what it is. And you know what happens? When you find out somebody doesn't see it the way you do, all of a sudden they're an enemy. All of a sudden, oh, I thought they were in the faith. Yeah, they are in the faith. They're just trying to make it like you. Listen, God will vindicate every doctrine. We don't have to defend it. Just walk in what God reveals. And we're all at different levels. Keep confidence. If somebody's not at your level, don't look down on them. Encourage them. Be a blessing to them. Hey, it was in the Bible. There was a couple in the meeting. There was a mighty preacher preaching. His name was Apollos. And he was preaching a fiery service. The people were rejoicing. There was a couple in the back called Aquila and Priscilla. And they were in the meeting. They were saying, amen, amen, amen. But this man was only preaching the baptism of John. Not knowing more. Not revelated. They could have stood in the back and said, you're wrong. You're not in the word. What kind of an attitude is that? Hey, if this is helping wash us, let it wash us. Let's keep a right attitude. But you know what the, the Bible says? After the service, out in the foyer, hey, hey, Apollos, come over here. Uh, this is, uh, have you heard about Jesus? No, no, I haven't. What about him? Hey, well, this is the one who followed John. They didn't come and say, here's the quotes. Are you going to accept it or not? What kind of a... Listen, there's all kinds of spirits that are around this word. Let's not let them come on us. Let's cast them out. Let's cast them out before they have a chance. Let's keep an attitude. Let's, let's not look at the glass half full or dirty. Let's look at it the right way. Be discerning, but be positive. Help one another. Keep confidence. Keep people built up. If somebody's not at your level, work with them. Look at where they're going. So Ecclesiastes says, be ready to hear. Don't give the sacrifice of fools, for they consider not what they do evil. Verse 2. And it says, Be not rash with your mouth. Let not your heart be hasty to utter anything before God. God is in heaven, thou on earth. Let thy words be few. You don't have to control the conversation. You don't have to tell them everything you know. Rather, listen. Abraham Lincoln, his words, the wisest words. It's better to be silent and thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. <laughs> okay. So what is it? Sometimes, what, what causes disappointment? Because you put all your eggs in one basket. Oh, in this doctrine. Or you put it all in, in, in a certain person. Isaiah looked at Uzziah. Oh, he held him in high esteem. And then if you go to Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5, you know, he held him in high esteem until he fell. And then Isaiah says, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. He saw things for what they were. Don't put all your eggs in one person. Sometimes we put it all in... in, in, in well, we put it in ourselves. We put too high expectation on yourself. As you're, as you're moving along life's journey, every step isn't going to be perfect. Every decision's not going to be perfect. You might stumble and get dirty. In fact, you might fall flat on your face sometimes. Get up! Don't lose your confidence. 
Oh, this happened to me. I must not be a believer. You're talking like the two on the road to Emmaus. Uh, But the same Jesus is here. I think he's here encouraging us tonight. He's encouraging me. If this isn't for you, it's for me. Don't be disappointed in your flesh when it fails you. It will fail you. Abraham's flesh failed him. Abraham, when he was told by God, walk before me and be perfect. Is this your wife? No, she's my sister. Yeah. And God's covenant held. (laughs) Oh, his covenant holds tonight. God will watch. Don't be disappointed in yourself when things don't work out the way they should. You're going to fall. You're going to stumble. But get up again. Don't, you know, and if somebody else who walks with you stumbles, forgive. Well, I'll forgive them. But that's the second time they've done that. Jesus said, and Peter, Peter actually asked Jesus, how many times do you expect me to forgive this guy? Seven times? And he's expecting, yeah, that's, that's quite a bit, Peter. You know, and he says, no. He says, Peter, not seven times, seven times 70. I got to put up with this failure? Yeah, you do. And you're just as much a failure sometimes. Your failures are not the same as somebody else's failures. Did God give up on you? Don't give up on one another. Brother Branham, they ask him a question. Or no, this is in, in the very beginning of, of, of the message. And he would, he would say, one of the hardest things God has ever done that is to get one mortal to believe another. <laughs> I'm not going to listen to that preacher. I knew what he was when he grew up. I knew what he did when he was seven years old. I'll tell you what. God's not going to gain the preeminence in a body if that's our attitude. Well, you need to look, listen to a message, discernment. Brother Ann says, discern the man, discern his motives, see what he's trying to do, see if it's for himself. See, that's what we need is discernment. He said the hardest thing is to get one mortal to believe another. We've all had failures. We've all had people fail us. We've all had disappointments. Churches have disappointed us. Preachers have disappointed us. Friends have disappointed us. Family has disappointed us. We've disappointed ourselves. And what did Paul say? Cast not away your confidence. One of the the best messages, and Brother Bannon would speak, was in Power of Transformation. This is in the last two months. And he's speaking to the people. We are not a perfect people. We make our mistakes. We do things wrong. But you see, love covers all of that. We're willing when we see our mistakes to come back and apologize to one another. You know what I do when someone comes and apologizes? I don't look down on them. I actually respect them. I say, that's someone I can walk with. Should have been more amens than that. He said, Brother Bram says, when we're willing when we see our mistakes to come back and apologize one to another. That's warriors. That's really men and women that's gallant. Any man can go in the battlefield and have nerve enough to walk out there. But when he gets knocked down, then get up and try it again. There used to be a song we'd sing in the church, If I fall or fail... Let me rise and try again. Forgive me, Lord. Try me one more time. Forgive me. Try me one more time. I'm winding my thoughts down. Musicians, you can come. He's saying here, now we find as many as 120 people here together. You're bound to find things sometimes. The enemy will sweep in among you and through your minds and start this and start that. You want to know how to combat it? Okay. Okay, thank you, thank you. I was waiting for that. My, 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 oh my. (laughs) The enemy is bound to sweep in among you through your minds and start this and that. Just stop when he does it. Think back of the times you're seated in heavenly places. Some of you 
are plumbers. This is a quote. Any plumbers want to raise their hand? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Oh, there's, there's one. Okay. Some of you are plumbers. Some are carpenters. And some this and some that. You rub arms with the world each day, and you're out there. But when you see those things and great temptations ride, rise, remember these little sacred places where you're sitting together with the only thing that lasts. Where is my confidence? Oh, the consumer confidence, the economics. I'm sorry, I can't put it there anymore. Is your confidence in your bank account? That may not be there either. Is your confidence in your home? That may be given or taken away from you. Is your confidence in the pew that you have reserved to come every time here? Is your confidence in this building? Or is your confidence in the living God that dwells in your brother and in your sister, the one that is faithful and watches over you, the one that daily when you make a mistake, he's there to convict you, not condemn you. He's there to pick you up when you fall down. He's daily interactive in our lives. Don't cast away your confidence. Don't listen to the lie of the devil. This is our confidence. This is our assurance. Yes, Jesus loves me. He that started a good work will finish a good work. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Oh, it's black, Brother Ed. It's dark. There's a man that can turn on the light. If you fall, get up. I think Proverbs 18, verse 14 would say, a wounded spirit who can sustain. You can be sick in your body, but if your mind is good... It'll help you overcome your body. The spirit of man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit, who can sustain? If you're depressed, if you're discouraged, and you can hardly lift up, and your spirit is weak, I'll tell you what, your body might be able to do all those things, but if your spirit can't, what's Paul telling us? Don't lose your confidence. Don't, don't trust your flesh, someone else's flesh, but trust in the living God who's there to help you. Do you believe He's on your side? Amen. Let's stand together. All hell is against this doctrine. All hell is against us. Sometimes you get upset with your, your wife, your husband. Oh, they... Have you thought about what they went through? During the day, you can play something softly, Sister Kezia. Sometimes you get upset with your brother. Oh, the deacon put me in that chair. I didn't want to be in that chair. He always does that to me. Listen, this isn't too far off where some of us are at sometimes. If these thoughts never entered my mind, I wouldn't say it. So they came from somewhere. Oh, so-and-so hasn't talked to me in months. Well, I won't call him either. <laughs> that's like that's like drinking your own poison. A Christian is always positive. My hope is in the Lord. I don't care what, what, what's going on around me. God's word is true. I can trust in his word. When the economies fail, the governments fail, when churches fail, when people fail, when I fail, I can still trust in Him. That's my confidence. That's my hope. I think we can have a hope tonight. I think we can let it... You need to start with something. You need to take a step. Maybe that step is tonight. I'm tired. I just want to get out of here. Let me, let me go. Yeah, you can go right away. But I think you can also say... Lord, you minister to me. I've, I've been leaning too much on my own thoughts. There's a quotation I never shared. I'll bring it some other time. It says, when a church can get afflicted and, and, and temptations rise and things come in that church, he says, that's the time that we need to look up to God. Don't think that the enemy is, is just going to, oh, that's anti-message tabernacle. I, I'll go to the street, church down the street. They're believers. Oh, no, no. We're a target. You're a target. Your brother's a target. Your sister's a target. Don't help the devil 
to steady the gun on them. Rather, push it away. Deflect those things. Take them off. Say good things to one another. Read the word to the church. When something rises up in the church, a little clicky says, don't take sides with it. Say nice things, and God will bless you. Oh, my. My hope is in the Lord. Verse 1. Stand in awe within the presence of the Lord, in whom the wisdom of the ages lies, from whom the raging of the sea subsides, the living sacrifice. My only source of life, my hope is in the Lord from this time on and 